The University of Kansas Health System is proud to be the official healthcare provider of the Kansas City Current. From youth athletes to the pros, we put player care first to turn their dreams into reality. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash kccurrent. The Zone is brought to you by Guaranteed Foods, official sponsor of Family Mealtime. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to guaranteedfoods.com. Still the zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Still no Jason Anderson. Don't touch that dial, though, because Kent Swanson of KC Sports Network, the KC Laboratory Podcast, is back with us here this week. Kent, uh, every time you have sort of an untimely vacation or work trip or whatever, it, it ends up really – I don't know if you check out the podcasts here, but Jason gives you a hard time. I love it when you leave the state because I know you're living your best life, but maybe that's because I care about you as a person. I am actively trying to schedule my vacations on days I'm supposed to be on your show. Uh, so that's that's been my goal. And, you know, it's it's you know making Maddie and Craig do more of the heavy lifting on Thursdays. So I've been doing the heavy lifting on Thursdays on the podcast lately, too. So I'm finally back. I'm back from all the vacations in the crazy summer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you today, buddy. I'm I'm excited to get to talk to you too. Uh, it's kind of funny though because however often you're in here or however rarely uh, the rotation you know shows up, I, I think like I don't know nine out of the ten things that we might talk about today are things that we could have talked about or did talk about a month ago or two months ago. Like there's still no Chris Jones extension. Um, I was listening to uh, to the lab when you guys were were talking about that. Um, and I actually caught a little bit of it live, just enough for you uh, to all get a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't know what the what the tenor was as you were kind of debating talking about Charles Minnehue or Chris Jones first, but I I have decided here that we'll start with Chris Jones because I thought we'd have news by now. I, I didn't know it would all be done by now, but I I thought we would have some definitive groundwork for like all right things are okay, and and I've felt a little bit worse with every passing week. I think that's the right you know you said tenor. I think that's the right you know tenor that you should probably that's what you should feel because. You know, we're halfway through training camp, and I think every passing day, every passing week, the likelihood that the Chiefs are going to get something done with Chris Jones diminishes. You know, you hear some of the quotes that um, that have come out from Brett Veach, I believe, you know, from the KC Star, mm-hmm. you know, talking about how everyone had to take a breath and take a step back yeah. and uh, – you know, that, and, you know, hey, the season starts September 7th, like almost treating it like a, a deadline. Well, training camp is kind of a deadline, too, and they blew past that one. And Chris Jones has incurred, I believe, at, at this point, uh, about a million dollars in yeah. time. So I, it does, you, you don't get the warm fuzzy from the negotiations at this point. And I'm with you every single passing day. I feel less and less likely that Chris Jones is getting a long term extension and this might be his last year in the Chiefs. Well, and so that's sort of – I'm kind of in reverse engineering. Like, what's everyone's worst-case scenarios here? Because it still, to me, just doesn't make a lick of sense. And, and Veach has said this and said this in The Athletic. And it's, it's been, as you said, everyone's kind of had their, their chance to hear from Veach and, and kind of pick on different stuff. But as as that, that quote where you talk about, you know, everyone's taking some time to back off and then things will heat back up again. Well, that means that things are not warm right now. The, the warm fuzziness, and maybe this is Chris Jones' last year in Kansas City – if that's the worst case scenario, there's there's no realistic way where, where Chris Jones just sits out this season. And then I, I and again, you guys mentioned a bunch of these names in the lab, but I, I, I am getting 
Tyron Matthew flashbacks, and Chris Jones is a better player and a more important player and, and vital to this defense. But it, it was very, very interesting to read Tyron Matthew's comments after his final season about knowing it was his final season and the impact of that. And I, I didn't think we'd get, we'd get to that point with Chris Jones. And now I, I think we might be getting a lot closer than I, I would have bet a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, like, I think the Tyron thing might be a little different with, you know, than Chris, and, you know, because, I mean, well, it, it, if, if Chris Jones learns anything from Tyron Matthew, Tyron Matthew had, a, had his struggles that season yeah. and wasn't really able to come out of that season with a, with a great contract. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, and candidly, the Chiefs were probably right. And, no, they were unequivocally, uh, unequivocally. right not to pay Tyron Matthew. Yep. You know, they made the right choice. Um, with Chris Jones, you know, I think Joe Colon has been a revelation for Chris. Like Chris was always an exceptional player. He was always an elite pass rusher, a game-changing player. I think last year you saw him become the most complete version of himself that you've ever seen. The consistency with the run fits, how he played the run. And like, obviously that's not why people pay him, but, you know, they pay him to, to you know, completely eviscerate offensive lines in the passing game, but just how well-rounded and the way he played with such discipline made the rest of that team better. Mm. And it, you know, I think, you know, Chris did all the right things, uh, but it's not probably the worst thing in the world. If you can't come to a long-term extension with Chris Jones to have the carrot out there of a contract year. Uh, and, I think, you know, you're going to get a really good version of Chris Jones this season. Uh, you'll get the same kind of version that you got last year, I genuinely believe, because it's in Chris Jones' best interest to go out there and do what he did last year. We, well, we can move on away from him after this, but since you mentioned, you know, what, what he does for the guys around him, so, some of the, the, I think it was pass rush win rate and double team rate among defensive tackles, and Chris Jones was number one in both, which, it, which puts him in the Patrick Mahomes quadrant of, you know, the top right corner of those charts completely by himself. What, what happens to, to George Karloftis' development if he's playing next to Tershawn Wharton and Daniel Wise instead of Chris Jones? What, what does that say? Uh, what, what, where does that set up the rest of a defensive line that, that is way more question marks than, than full-on exclamation points outside of Jones? Well, I mean, if we're talking about this year, like, I, again, I, I share the sentiment with you that like, I don't think Chris Jones is seeing this year out. So he's going to have that year for his development. Um, and if you're talking about next year, I think the Chiefs do a lot to try to figure out how to make that group better in the aggregate. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, if, if, if for some reason Chris Jones does miss some time this season, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tricky for the Chiefs to just kind of rush for and see what happens, right? They're yeah. going to have to manufacture. They're going to have to be more aggressive. They're going to have to, you know, try to send some more stunts and blitzes and uh, those kind of things to try to help manufacture some pressure in you know, that's not the best version of this defense. You know, it wasn't last year at least. And yeah. so you're going to rely on uh, uh, on that secondary. You're going to put more heat and pressure on that secondary to, to take care of business. Play man coverage well. Um, be consistent in the back end of that defense uh, because you're going to have to because you're having to do more to try to manufacture stuff. What about uh, with Charles Minahue? Now we know that the first six games of the season, it's going to fall to <laughs> George Karloftis and FAU and Mike Dana and Malik Herring and uh, figuring out kind of what that group of edges can do 
presumably alongside Chris Jones and and Tershawn Wharton working his way back, Derek Nottie's back, Keandre Coburn we've talked about and like. But uh, what what did you make of it being six games for Charles Minnehue? Did that did that surprise you at all? It sounded to me, I'll editorialize that that Andy Reid was a little surprised it landed at six. Not that he was suspended at all, but six games. And what's that impact? Because we we were really excited about what Minnehue was going to bring, and and now he's missing the first third of the season. Yeah, I mean it's surprising, but I mean, I, I, I feel like you know, I think I think the Menahue camp had to have known that they were getting some kind of substantial suspension. Like yeah. maybe it was four, maybe it was six. Who knows? But I mean, the contract that he signed kind of reflects that he knew he was going to be missing a relatively you know impactful sample size, right? Yep. So. I mean, I know it, it, Andy Reid obviously sounded a little surprised. I don't know what kind of appeal he's even really able to give at this point, but that also doesn't surprise me that he got six because, you know, I think, you know, the NFL is slowly trying to create more strict standards on some of the, you know, the, the violence, of, uh, yeah. you know, that the men he was accused of. Uh, it kind of seems like they're trying to get a little bit more uh, control of that. So yeah. who knows? I, I, I Six sounds a little bit, you know, heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily to the penalty, just like based on past history. But right. you know, they're going to have to deal with it. And if they if they can get it reduced, great. But if not, it's, it's going to be tough sledding for a young group. Is there anybody in that in that group that you go, okay, all right, well, it, you know, I I can live with FAU getting some more early season reps, or because he's as he's talked about even being a little behind this off season program because of the injury and missing some OTA time. Is that something that terrifies you right out of the gate? Like what what does the DE group away from Aminahu make you feel right now? So I'm going to sound really I'm I'm so numb to a lot of this, and I think. It's more of a 50,000-foot view of this football team where it's like this team might struggle with their defensive ends, but Mahomes is going to put up 35 points in his in his absence to try to help it. But, um, no, I, I, I think um, – I think you know Felix Andike Zama. It, it could be it could be a big opportunity for him. And I look at last year's defense. I look at last year's rookie class, and this group obviously is one of the it's one of the best drafts in recent NFL history. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got thrown into the fire out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And last year was a lot about throwing young guys in the fire out of necessity. And you saw this team have to be a little bit more static with their cover, too, because they were playing a lot of young guys in the back end of their defense. But you saw George Karlakis get thrown into the fire and have to play a lot of snaps early. Uh, I think this could be an opportunity to throw someone like Felix NBK Uzama into the fire. And it may not be the prettiest thing for this team the first six weeks as they try to cobble things together and, and, and provide enough resistance to, you know, try to, you know, win football games. Hopefully Chris Jones is back and in great shape. That'll be a big help. Uh, but it could serve as an opportunity to just throw Felix and DK Zama into the fire. And in that regard, I'm excited because sometimes it's kind of fun to see young guys play out of necessity, especially when you've seen the trends of this team and how Steve Spagnuolo typically preferred, you know, the developmental timeline for rookies is, you know, they don't always get to play a ton in year one. We're talking to the Kirkland King, Kent Swanson. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at <laughs> Kent underscore Swanson. Do you have a Kirkland favorite suggestion that I can get from you right now? I haven't been able to get their diet green tea in a while, which is really frustrating because that was a, a treat and we can't find it anymore. 
many there's so many suggestions I could give you. If you've ever had the late July um, jalapeno lime chips, it's Whoa. like a grown up. It's the old buddy. It's like a grown up Dorito. I'm in. It's like, yeah, it's it's the it's perfect. Um, if you ever get in the golf, we're gonna have to we'll we'll take you to we'll take you to Costco. Um, the Missouri side, they have a great. Uh, they have a great liquor selection. That's a lot of quality brands that are just, That's true. you know, they're just, they, they slap the Kirkland brand on them, but it's, it's quality stuff. I can, we, that, that's all we should start a podcast about that. Yeah. I, I, I could do a, I could do a weekly show on what's going on at Costco. I think we could do it in just like the patio furniture section of the Costco mm. and just say, Hey, we're, we're live in whatever Costco we're in that week. And here's what we found today. Maybe it's, maybe it's part taste test, part endorsing our, you know, favorite particular products. Um, part me trying to get a hold of Costco corporate to bring back the diet citrus green tea. And there's just like ever so slight, you know, changes to how each Costco does regionally. I was in a Tulsa Costco. Oh, tell me more. Oh, it was the biggest Costco I've ever seen. Really? It was like a giant, it double in size. They had a golf simulator just hanging out there. Woo! Uh, yeah. They're, uh, it was like their whole beverage. You know, you like, I mean, the local, the local layouts of the Costcos in the Kansas City Metro are all pretty similar. They had a whole like extra wing devoted to canned beverages, oh, yeah. both yeah. adult and non-adult. Like it was, it was a beautiful layout. It was spacious. Uh, I we I, I vacationed there. <laughs> uh, we didn't even make we didn't even make it to the house. We just we just posted up in the back. So this this is something that I've really been trying to just sort of go through the motions with and at least figure out where where I go from here. Especially as we've had interns this year who are like nineteen, and suddenly I'm I'm not only not the youngest person in this building, I'm I'm almost ten years older than someone else who's like asking me, you know, how the radio buttons work. But what at what point in your life do you think that you you started you know divining real joy out of a Costco experience? And should I be embracing this should i be trying to rage against it? is raging against it the part that, that is where people eventually you know become cringe as the kids say oh buddy i i think you should lean in as quickly as you possibly can i i think i was kind of an early adopter like were you a toddler did you guys grow up going to costco as a kid though my my family was a sam's club family did you go as a family um did sometimes you- Sometimes, but not necessarily like as an outing. I would See, go with my mom sometimes. We had the, I mean, our our routine was, hey, church on Sunday, family trip to Costco right after. Love that. And I mean, you know, so I think I had, you know, this is my teen years, right? Like yeah. I started when I was a teen, but I think I was a full-fledged Costco king by 26. Like, right before we started having kids, I was just, I'm excited to go to Costco. I can't wait. But just the older and older you get, the more and more you appreciate it. I just, it's, 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 a, it's an experience. You don't get out much, you know, when you, when you have two kids. <laughs> this so, is the part that know, I've been wondering about because that's not me right now. 
but uh, but <laughs> okay. the larger appeal is is there. I am I have said the phrase to Renee now multiple times. We just need to have a Costco day sometime soon because yeah. I want I I want to be able to survey the land and look at a you know sixty four pack of some sort of sugar free soda that I haven't tried yet and say you know what let's go. I'm feeling like a gambler today. Let's risk it. Let's have a sixty four pack of these and we're gonna just hope that they turn out okay. And I've I've won some of those and I've lost some of those. Say la vie. I mean, as you guys, are, you guys are doing life together, and I think you'll start coming to a real, you know, when you start, you know, diving in further and further into the whole marriage thing. I think you'll find that Costco provides uh, something valuable to both of you. I can't wait! I can't wait to tell you guys about Costco travel someday, because they have a whole travel wing, uh, a whole website devoted to travel. So uh, just wait for that. That's uh, that's a game changer. That's how I went on my vacation to Hawaii this year was through Costco. I'm not even joking. I am a full fledged Costco evangelist. Yeah. So here's my here's what's dawned on me in this moment is that either Renee absolutely fully knows about Costco travel and has just been keeping that from me because she knows it stresses me out when she is simultaneously planning like four vacations that we can't take right now, <laughs> or. I will be able to say tonight, hey, Renee, have you ever heard of Costco travel? And it's going to make her weak. And I'm going to pretend that I found out about it, and you're going to just get one of those silent assists. Like, it's not even going to show up on the box <laughs> score, but you're going to know. Yeah. It's the past before the past for the past, and but the setup was still there. Your vision was immaculate. It's amazing what you can accomplish when no one cares about getting the credit, and I don't. <laughs> I genuinely don't. I I – I, I want what's best for you. I want you to thrive. Thank you. And I want you to be uh, fully ingratiated into the Costco culture. So, yeah. uh, again, not a cult. Not a cult. Not a cult. Not a cult. People keep saying but that it's a cult. It's not a cult. It, you know, I mean, there's, you know, they, they do serve Kool-Aid there. It, it's, a, it's a tremendous community, you know, of just fellow believers behind one unified cause. They, like you said, they do sell Kool Aid and other sugary beverages. I will say, just vis-a-vis cults and, and all of that, um, I will drink the Kool Aid. I will need it to be sugar-free Kool Aid, just on account of the diabetes and everything. But I think Costco's got me covered yeah. there, except for the damn green tea. I don't know if I've made it clear <laughs> enough that that is like a real shining light in the sugar-free drink situation, and they took it away from me. But other than that, I'm I'm still I'm still a true believer. I'm working on it. Hey, hey, look, just you know, give it time. Things come back all the time. If there's nothing, here's the thing: uh, if you are truly in Costco's demographic, that angst and emotion you're feeling is probably shared with a lot of other people, and mm. you're just they just know they just know to bring stuff back, and then they do, and that's <laughs> the best thing about them is they just they have what you need. And they always come and surprise you just a little bit. There's always something there that you're like, oh, I I can't believe this is back. Thank you, Costco, for knowing exactly what I needed and exactly what I wanted. It's just, but not again, not a cult. Stuff. It's not a cult. It's it's just a lifestyle. That's all. <laughs> I can you know I can I can deal with a with a lifestyle with a membership program. I mean that. That feels kind of fun. It's nice to belong to something, even if even if there are uh, goat sacrifices in the back of the warehouse. 
Kit Swanson, KC Sports Network. Uh, you know, not getting the credit, just wanting to do what's best for the team. That's a real offensive lineman mentality, Kent, and I really respect that from you. And the, the I'm segueing back to a serious sports topic just because I can't believe we haven't said this man's name 500 times in this training camp period. Nobody's talking about Donovan Smith, and I think that's great. Your thoughts? Uh, yes, no news is good news, I think. I think you're right. Like, just that there were, we're not hearing a bunch of you – know, it could be it could cut both ways. It could be uh, the Sand Rusher group stinks. Yeah, fair. Good <laughs> and point. they're really – you know, it could, be, it could be that we don't know if Donovan Smith is good and the edge group can't get up the arc. It could be that. Um, but I think genuinely no news is good news. You kind of hear some of the buzz and positivity that's coming out of camp. Uh, there's some articles and some reports that, you know, the Chiefs really like. They think this is the best group of bookends in Mahomes' career, which, I mean, that, I think that's a high bar. I think Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz yeah. is a very high bar to clear. So if they're saying stuff like that, that's, that's obviously a, a good sign. But there's some level of strong belief that what they have is good. You know, it could, you know. I know that Donovan Smith kind of been a lightning rod this this off season in in the discourse at times, but um, I I think I think they I think they might be onto something there. Like I don't I think Donovan Smith's the most likely weak link on this offensive line group. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do buy the narrative that hey he played through a ton of injury last year, the struggles that you saw from him were because of those injuries, you know. Okay, if you buy that, if you can, if you believe that, you can see a path to a rebound. He's still a relatively young guy. I don't believe he's turned 30 yet, uh, and he's had a lot of success in this league. Uh, he's played uh, at a capable level on some really good football teams, protecting uh, one of the, 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 for now, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's reason to be optimistic, but, you know, uh, you, you don't find out until you find out week one when it really matters. The good news is the Chiefs have shown an ability to help their left tackle because uh, they had to do it for Orlando Brown. And if you have four other spots just locked up and they don't really need help, then you can get away with Donovan Smith maybe needing a little bit more, you know, out of the backfield to kind of help, you know, lock things up. So I feel good about where that offensive line is. And, you know, you just hope they all stay healthy. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. I just I, I don't need all that much from Donovan Smith. If he's just fine enough, and like you said, if he's the, the weak link that can get a little bit of help, if the other four guys are, are completely solid in their roles, I, I can live with that. And, and like you've said, it, it is like a weird way to talk about this football team where anything, any concern can reasonably be dissuaded by going, yeah, well, Patrick Mahomes plays quarterback, so I'm not losing any sleep over that tonight. So here's my, my last uh, you know training camp-based question for you is that, I want to know what you're excited about outside of the Mahomes and Kelsey kind of superstar class. What have you seen or heard out of camp that you say, hey, you know what, this this not only doesn't concern me, this this downright puts a smile on my face. I am super excited to see the young receivers mm-hmm. this this training or you know this this preseason. Um, heard really good things about Rashi Rice. Heard good things about Sky Moore. Seen, heard good things about Justin Ross. I look at last year and, like, we saw last year as a little bit of a reset. And we said, hey, if the Chiefs can figure out how to find a ton of success 
on the fly with a young defense and a big rookie class that's going to have to be leaned on a lot more than any rookie class has ever been leaned on in Andy Reid's tenure. If they can find success, then look out. Well, if the Chiefs can find success with a pair of, you know, second round young receivers and an undrafted free agent, if they're able to see those guys take steps and be a big impact on this offense, like it, this, this, this snowball is just going to keep rolling. I think that's the thing that continues the snowball from last year and just makes this, this roster construction, this, this team, uh, we start talking dynasty. Yeah. If, if we're able to see these guys take that step. And so I'm really excited to see the young guys, you know, the young receivers, if they are really, you know, as advertised, because if they are, this is something that is going to just continue to, to, to morph into, you know, multiple Super Bowls or, you know, I mean, if they're just continuing to, to, to keep that rolling on, on, it'll be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And Rashi Rice, I, the Rashi Rice is the one I'm most excited to, to watch, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, so you've heard things. Is that just the style of play and, and how you think the offense might use them or just bigger unknown? I think it's a little bit of everything. Like, his evaluation is a little tricky from the draft stuff because he played hurt. And so, you know, even, but, and he was, like, he had some production the year prior for sure, but it was unrefined. It was tricky to kind of evaluate him. But um, you've seen some of the stuff he's done at this point in camp. And yeah, he's always kind of been a guy that wins in contested catches uh, in college. And it doesn't always translate, but it seems like it has. So some of those strengths and the traits, regardless of the athletic limitations because the injuries are popping up, and it seems like, you know, he's he's doing some stuff in the Juju role. He kind of looks like Juju sometimes carrying the football. Like, there's just there's some really positive indicators with him that I'm just very intrigued to see kind of put all together. Anything outside of the first quarter that you, you think is worth watching uh, on Sunday? Like, who, So anyone or any position group you want to see in the, let's go second half even, down the depth chart a little bit. I am fascinated. This is another one of those, like, hey, if you unlock this and this works, good good luck, NFL. Um, Wanye Morris, mm. um, you know, playing a little bit of left tackle, kind of playing as the swing guy. I want to see him at left tackle. I want to see if, you know, we're if, if everything goes well, we're probably not seeing Wanye Morris this year. Right. But if we get a look at him at left tackle for these next three games and he's showing signs of, you know, positivity, if he's looking good, you know, maybe the Chiefs don't feel the need to draft a left tackle early next season. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's another way that they're able to just kind of keep this thing rolling because they identified a left tackle in the third round. It's those kind of moves that, like, it's it's weird because of how settled this team is, how good this team is. It's more about long-term kind of, you know, outlook for me because so much of this roster is already settled. But that's another one, like, if, if Wani Morris can play left tackle capably, maybe you don't feel the need to draft a left tackle in round one next year and everything's kind of open to you. I think the long-term look for you, Kent Swanson, is just as bright as it is for the Chiefs. I don't know if you're a first-round talent, an undrafted free agent who's making some highlight plays or, or where you stand, but uh, I will see you in the aisles of Costco very soon and uh, talk to you again very shortly and keep up uh, with the KC Sports Network and uh, the KC Lab podcast. Just search for uh, KC Sports Network wherever you get your podcast, and you'll find the Chiefs feed with the lab there with uh, Kent and Craig and Matt as they rotate around every Thursday with us here in the zone. Kent, I appreciate it, sir. Always me. Good talking to you. Write a letter about that green tea. More Zone next. 
Thanks again to Kent Swanson of the KC Sports Network. The KC Laboratory podcast is a, a great use of your time if you enjoy uh, hearing us talk to Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, Maddie Lane, three of us, uh, three of them rotate through with us here in the zone. But right now, that's our training camp coverage, which is presented by Barstool Sportsbook at Hollywood Casino, Bud Light, Greengrass Cattle Co., and Premier Volvo Cars of Overland Park. Appreciate them for uh, helping us bring you all the coverage from Chiefs Camp that we've been able to bring you so far. And still uh, plenty of preseason action to go, but it is kind of wild that we have fully arrived to a week where there will be there will be a football game this Sunday that the Kansas City Chiefs play and kick off at noon, which is only going to happen. I think one was it only one time uh, this upcoming season where they play and they have a noon kickoff on a Sunday. They might if Christmas is a Sunday, that might also be one. But there's only like one normal noon kickoff. I think it's week two or something for the Chiefs this year. But we're gonna get to, to you know get one of those noon kicks again on Sunday. We'll have coverage for you leading up to kickoff, and then after the game, we'll be live here with the uh, Sports Radio 810 WHB post game show. I'll be back in this chair to talk about uh, whatever it is that we're, we're seeing from those guys. And I think Kent just gave us uh, a great nominee for who we should be paying attention to. In the back half of the game, we'll hear from Andy Reid tomorrow, uh, and, and he'll say that all the quarterbacks will each get a quarter and that that will kind of work with the team, you know, first team, second team, third team, fourth team. We'll hear that from Andy Reid tomorrow. It will not be entirely true tomorrow, but we'll hear something very close to that from him. Um, and as we've talked about, it varies from year to year, but but generally I think what the real strategy for Andy Reid is is let's let's get our ones out there for long enough for them to get hit to feel some real contact that's that's a little more serious than training camp thudding, uh, and uh, and hopefully enough to, to see one series where they look like they're in a groove and then get them out of there. Uh, of course, I live in fear of preseason injuries. How, how could you not? How would anyone not be worried about that? But ultimately, if you're talking about one freak rep, um, I, I do think there's probably something, and, and more modern coaches are disagreeing with this, and I generally lean more modern and... Uh, I don't know, I think Andy Reid's got a point here. I don't know that I want week one of a real football game to be the first time my guys get hit, or hit someone else for that matter. Uh, you know, I, I would I would be sick to my stomach if, if Trent McDuffie tweaked a, a hamstring in uh, in New Orleans. But I don't want... I don't want his first rep of the of of live fire to be Amon Ross St. Brown you know, working him out of the slot and and then having to figure out how to bring that dude to the ground. It, it makes sense to continue just little bits of ramping up to full-on week one speed. I, I do think that makes sense. But of course, we're not going to see a ton of the ones, and that, that part I think is relatively simple. What do you want to see from the starters? Don't get hurt. Get in a groove. Show that the, the, the trains are moving. Find Sky more early on and, and then see if the, the young receivers can just Catch a few passes while you march down, score a touchdown. Hit Travis Kelsey for six. Get out of there. We'll see you next week. I think that's the goal for the ones. But Kent going to Wanye Morris, and I, I've got another one from the, this rookie class in particular that I'm, I'm very interested to see in the preseason, who I don't expect we'll see very much of in the regular season. Wanye Morris, if, if he is in fact getting work on the left side with the twos in this game coming up on Sunday... He could be out there for a while, and I think it will be fascinating to see how he holds his own. Because he, he 
well, he started at left side, mostly played the right side at Oklahoma, um, and then now he's he's here in this sort of a little bit of a swing role that the Chiefs have been working him through in camp, but we've certainly seen him on the left side plenty with the twos. I think he's gotten a few reps on the right, but uh, the, the the first shot here appears to be, let's see if we can get Wanya Morris to play on the left side. I think Kent's right when he says the Chiefs don't want to see Wanya Morris play this year if they can help it. If, if, if Donovan Smith is a good left tackle, Morris is not going to be thrown in there for no reason as a rookie. But if he needs to be in that position, can he be? Can he hold his own? And then more importantly, though, what's the long-term view for him? Because if he can put some good stuff on tape, make the Chiefs believers through practice this year, and let Donovan Smith hold that position this upcoming season, if the Chiefs say, yeah, hey guys, 2024, left tackle, we got Wanya Morris on a rookie deal. Right tackle, we got Juwan Taylor on an expensive deal, but... Those are our two tackles, and we're happy to have them in those two places. We have the best interior offensive line in football. Not only does that keep you from having to draft a lineman, which is a tackle in the first round, or however early you'd have to do it, or spend money to go find another guy who could step in there. Not only does it save you from having to put resources into left tackle, if Wanye is your your guy, as a third-round pick would be a treat, obviously. We had similar conversations about Lucas Niang. It's no guarantee that that comes together. But if you are able to get that value and have that position taken care of, not only is it not a concern, you can use those assets on another position group. If, you know, I don't think this is going to happen, it's not what I want to happen, but if you trade Chris Jones next offseason, you get a little bit of draft capital back there, maybe you're working with a couple of first-round picks now, your own and someone else's. You either have an opportunity to move up to go get an impact player of some sort. If you think, hey, man, there's a defensive tackle coming out of this class who's going to be Chris Jones, just younger. We're going to make, we're going to go get that guy. Or it's you keep your multiple shots, first round picks, or you know, they they moved up a little bit for Trip McDuffie and then kept the pick for George Karloftis. When, uh, you know, in the the aftermath of the Tyree Kill trade, they didn't jump up. They didn't package those two picks to go up to ten. But it gives you a ton of roster-building flexibility. That's all true. All of that same logic is true for Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, by the way. If those guys can be young, rookie contract, controllable asset players who are, who are at the very least good enough for your offense to keep humming because your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, and maybe in a best-case scenario, one of those guys ends up being a plus receiver, a true number one. You could you could spend your draft class on the trenches every year if you want and just just keep making it impossible to to poke a hole in the dynasty that you're building. You can just find value positions and and so it's you know it's tackles, maybe it is pass rushers. Whoever you end up valuing and, and however the board falls, you are able to really take the best player available at a premium position and make that the way that you continue to reload your roster. It's something the Eagles have done really well to this point. They don't have the quarterback the Chiefs do, and the Chiefs, I think, understand all of this. There's a really, really cool future that is unlocked if Rasheed Rice, Wanya Morris, Sky Moore, Justin Ross are real dudes. Just like it was for Trey Smith also. A little bit of a different example because guard's not as premium of a position as tackle. But you don't have to worry about right guard until it's time to pay him. And you're good. And that offsets all the money you're giving to Joe Tooney. And you got Creed Humphrey, obviously. Like, that was, he, he was a premium pick 
in the second round, late second round, you know, but but still, like you 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 thought they probably just drafted their starting center as a rookie there in Creed. Still incredible value, great payoff. Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice also premium picks, of course. But it unlocks so many more options. It keeps all your options open going forward, which would be an awesome way to continue to, to, to evaluate. There's another player that I am looking forward to seeing because he doesn't quite fit the mold. But I think we should take a break now. If we do that, Drake, I, I know I'm, I don't want to alarm you, but I'm volunteering to take a break earlier than we absolutely have to so we have more time in the last segment of the hour. I know this is Drake right now is unconscious. He just he just actually passed out. Can you just like, give him a little slap and wake him up? We're gonna take an early break here in the zone. All right, I gave you the tease for what I'm looking forward to, or another player I'm looking forward to in the game coming up on Sunday. I obviously think you could you could pick any of the rookies for various reasons and and want to just see them on a football field. But there's another layer to it for at least one of these guys that I'm just very excited to see when he gets used, and how he gets used. We've talked a lot about Felix Ndike Uzama. Where is he in the process? He's defensive. We talked a lot about Keandre Coburn, defensive tackle. He was a sixth-round pick out of Texas. And I think I know how he'll get used, which is to drop him in the middle of that defensive line, tell him to hold the spot, and try to get a little push if he can. But I'm not sure how the Chiefs are going to use fifth-round pick out of Stephen F. Austin, B.J. Thompson. Because he is the most non-stereotypical Steve Spagnolo selection. Four S's for you there. Alliteration rules. Alliteration's awesome. He is the least stereotypical Steve Spagnolo type of defensive end the Chiefs have drafted since Spags got here. They they like the big physical edges that Frank Clark was at his peak, that George Karloftis projects to not necessarily guys with great bend. Mike Dana was obviously, you know, a later round pick as well. And so he's like kind of a maybe a little bit. He doesn't have all the same size, but the skills and the and the things he's the best at, where he can play in the interior and he can really hold that edge. That stuff the Chiefs really value. Felix is a little bit of a of a different speed in terms of him having some of that bend and, and pass rush skills. That we'll just see how that translates. But B.J. Thompson is a real outlier. And so I'm interested to see, and you know, preseason games without full-on game planning is, you, 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 can, you can glean what you can glean. But I'm going to be really interested to see if at any point, even if it's deep into the second half, if the Chiefs put B.J. Thompson out there on the edge and say, hey man, pin your ears back, get around this corner, and go hunt the quarterback. And then really, just as importantly for the Chiefs in their evaluation of B.J. Thompson, what happens when they run right at you? When an NFL team, even NFL backups, when an NFL team decides, all right, that long skinny guy over there who has some speed and quickness but is undersized thickness-wise at that position, we're going to... uh, we're going to let the tackle go ahead and get hands on you first. And then we're going to run right at your face. Maybe get somebody to pull also, come over and just give a little get a little lead block in here. Probably not running a lot of fullback options. But we are going to bring the traffic to you, and we are going to see if we can clear you out of here like a feather in a wind tunnel. And can he hold up to that part of the game? 
or is he going to be limited as a pass rusher only? Hey, it's 3rd and 14. Here comes B.J. Thompson. I hope that either way, he's on the field a lot on Sunday because, again, this is about evaluation against live reps. And and if he's out there and he doesn't look very good against the twos or threes of the Saints, then I will you know adjust accordingly and, and we'll just assume we're probably not going to see him much this regular season. And it's a, it's a learning curve, a building process, both for him physically and for him getting uh, you know used to what the Chiefs need from, from that position. Maybe they just roll him out there in the passing situations they think he might be in in this regular season. Uh, I I don't I don't know how they're going to try to allocate those snaps because to go to a a draft class not from this year and not from the year prior but back to 2021 the Nick Bolton Creed Humphrey class they had two second round picks in that in that year no first no third and the fourth round pick that year has been probably the most forgotten. It was Bolton, Creed Humphrey, in the fourth round, Joshua Kando out of Florida State, and then Noah Gray, who we talked about plenty, Cornell Powell, who we talked about at the time, but certainly seems like, I mean, he's, he's stuck around on the practice squad, maybe he's back there again this year, and then Trey Smith in the sixth, which is arguably the definitive steal of that entire year's draft class. Josh Kando's had a couple of reps at camp that I've seen, hey, you know what, That's there's something there from, from Josh Kando. There's a little bit of a spark, but we have never seen him put that together in any sort of consistent way, and and frankly, a lot of the times, he just just looks stiff. He he just looks stiff, not that powerful, not that bendy, not that explosive, but for a guy like him, a mid-round pick from two draft classes removed, this is pretty close to, and this is unfair, but it's just sort of how how the NFL churns. I think it makes sense to say we'd like to give this guy, you know, two or three full camps, two or three years, some time to get to what we think is going to be the the peak of their development physically, mentally, and then see what what you got. But it's very hard to get reps in regular season games if you haven't proven anything yet. And so I think I think Josh Kando. And to some extent, by elimination, Malik Herring, with Charles Aminahue both Aminahue being suspended for the first six games, both of those guys, I think, have a chance to lock their spot on the roster, play their way off the roster, play their way into actual regular season playing time, or convince the Chiefs that they are a depth piece who is maybe, maybe there's still some development to be had, but more often than not, more likely than not, when a minute who comes back, maybe you're the guy that gets cut. That is a huge array of outcomes. And it seems like the Chiefs really like Malik Herring, and they invested in Josh Kanda. They've kept him around, and maybe a year being coached by Joe Cullen last year is going to bring him along to a new level in this preseason. But it's really hard to evaluate that in training camp, even in team periods, certainly in one-on-ones. If you're going to be the type of person that is breathlessly watching three Chiefs preseason games, you might as well try to watch it like a coach, like an evaluator. Because we're all kind of doing that a little bit, right? It doesn't have quite the same pop up and a brewski, have the friends over, let's all have a good time watching Patrick Mahomes do alien bleep. It's a preseason game. If you're there in the second half, look for the guys whose names you recognize. Remember where they got drafted, but you haven't seen them do it 
at the pro level yet, at the regular season level yet. The Chiefs are going to be looking for some help at defensive end. We'll talk about that and much more. Matt Verderam of SI next. The Zone with Jason Anderson is presented by Guaranteed Foods. 